0: Days Five Hot Takes, yeah! All right, so here we are with Claude Kelly, um, who's handsome. People tell you that you're super handsome, um, and we're going to talk about uh, five songs, five Claude Kelly songs. I, and I got to tell you something, man. This was really hard, and and that sounds like something people say where they're like, "I was looking at your catalog," and because. You just have a lot of really good songs, and one we're not going to talk about. So this I'm cheating right now, mm-hmm. but, but but I wanted to put on there was I didn't realize you wrote the freaking Carmen songs. Yeah, broken hearted, broken. You don't understand when I we. So I'm cheating now because this is technically we're not going to talk about the song because I'm I'm breaking the rules. But th- that I remember hearing that song the first time, and I was like, "This is like perfect pop music." I, I mean, I remember so distinctly hearing it and being like. This is like every Tetris piece is in the perfect place in this song, which is a little bit of a preview of what we're about to do with these songs. But this was I love that so song. hard. It was so I I if you could see the sheet, there's so many scratches. Not, not, not that one, not that one. Okay, so I just want to jump into it. Let's talk first about Price Tag by Jesse
1: J. Price is one of my favorite songs. That I've, i I artists. I love Jesse. I love writing with her. Um we we I feel very proud of, th- of that song and, and, our, and her and the beginning of her career, her whole career, but the beginning, because um, it's willing to give a pop star that has a lot of hits, another hit, but it's another, it's another thing to help break a, a star.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So price tag went around the world. And if you listen to the lyrics of it, that's, that's what I'm about. That song is like my testimony. It's, it's mm-hmm. I mean, I, please, I do like to get paid. Don't get me wrong, but, <laughs> but it shouldn't be about the money when you're creating the music when you're trying to connect with people. Um, that's I'm in LA with Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, she was in LA for, so the reason we even did price tag is because we actually did party in the USA for Jesse and the label didn't like it. And so they're like, we still, need a, we still need a single. And so party in the USA sat um, for quite some time and went around to different people. And so because they didn't think they had a first single we went back in and did price tag.
0: Was it just the three of y'all? Mm-hmm. Geez. So what does that day look like? I mean, is Luke, you know, Dr. Luke, for those who don't know, I mean, obviously he's a monster in his own. I mean, that's three substantial personalities in a room.
1: Yeah. Well, Luke and I work. Luke and I, and Luke and Max and I, and Luke and Max and I, and all and all the different vibrations work, I think, a little different than he they work with other people. I don't know why that is. Luke had a lot of trust. Um has a lot of trust in my songwriting and my arrangement. So he never micromanaged. He would just leave the, he would have a guitar line and he's a fantastic guitar player and would leave it there and say, you figure I'll come back. And he'd be in another room. And normally he's like super hands on, but I hear a lot of respect for my gift um, and allowed me to do that. So he would pop his head in, but Jesse and I kind of sat at the boards. We were at Conway Studios in LA and just, Sussed it out. A lot of it had to do with with Jesse's actual life. Both "Pardon the USA" and "Price Tag" were about her life. So so funny. So the whole idea of like um of of uh coming to America and feeling out of place. She's English, right? She's from London. Was what "Pardon the USA" is really originally was. I think I'm gonna like the. I think I'm gonna like the USA. I think I'm gonna like the USA because the whole literally about her landing. In LAX, which is why all that's in there, and and the cabs on the on the wrong side, and it was really, um, originally it was oh not oh my god it's crazy oh my god there's Macy's everybody because there's no Macy's in London everybody looks oh so crazy, and so those songs and then when that didn't get taken, we took the same approach because it, it felt like she was a very honest artist. She wanted to be talking about her real life, and price tag was how she felt about the business. She felt like. Because she felt like she'd been pulled in all these different directions and she was worried that she wouldn't be understood as a real musician and a real singer. And so he wrote this whole song about it being about, about, the, about making the world dance and that feeling as opposed to just all the flashy stuff.
0: That song, I mean, th- this is the case with most of your songs, which is just a substantial gift to me. But that song, as much as any of them, it just feels like a tackle box for all the hook's. It's just like, you can't, it's like, that is a song. If somebody looked at me and said, I want to write pop songs in 2020, I'd be like, okay, we're going to study this song. Like this is going to be, we're going to break down every second of this song to show you how a song can just never miss a hook. It is crazy. That song melodically. How hooky I, I, I,
1: try, I, I try to do this thing where like, it's most important to me that I tell a story. And the song makes sense from like the verse makes sense going to the pre-chorus and the chorus and so on, but then I also try to make sure that everything is memorable. So sometimes I'll have a hook and I will slide that melody and make that hook my first verse. You have to beat it because the hook has to be more catchy than the first. That's song. right. That's right. So that ensures that you always that you're always keeping your best ideas, but also that you're doing things that are always ear candy
0: because that one too it has moments that if you're sitting there you're like oh that's interesting because you know it has sort of like nonsensical moments melodically but that's yeah. why it's so hooky cha-ching, cha-ching. you know it's like it's
1: got and, that, and that's all a playoff of like i said I, I do a lot of pay jesse is a fantastic writer as well um but the, the moments where um those quirky things are are, are me also champing for her personality because then it comes down to like everyone can say it's not about the money but then, what makes it unique is how Jesse J says it, mm-hmm. and how someone from Essex would say "bubbling, bubbling, ching." That that's what makes it a Jesse song, as opposed to it being anyone else's song.
0: Right, right. Um, okay, second, "Grenade" by Bruno Mars.
1: I love "Grenade." Grenade is—I'm uh, super proud of that song too. I, 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 what I'm most proud about that song is more being a part of a part of Bruno's career. Because I think that Bruno was important for pop music when he came out. Mm. Um, I think Bruno, as maybe maybe also Neil before him, for sure. But Bruno came at a time where male vulnerability as an art as an artist was missing. Wow. Pop heavy. It was very like even if it was R and B, was like I'm in the club. I'm too cool for you. I got all this fancy stuff on and all that kind of stuff. And Bruno just came in the door on just the way you are and grenade and and, and those kind of songs, which people forget sometimes is needed. The same way that wow. saying about power battles not being there for, for for everyone, but especially for women. I'm like, but especially with all the emotions happening every day in the world, we can't deny those things for trends. So Bruno coming out with Grenade, it, I'm proud of that because it reminded people that you can be expressive. Even the video where he's lugging the, lugging the piano down the block. I mean, that's so emotional. It's such yeah. an emotional statement of a song. And I think it allowed for a lot of artists after him to be deep and cerebral mm-hmm. and the weekend. And Ed Sheeran, all the people that came after that were able to be kind of singer songwriter and, and heartfelt and make girls cry, heart throbs.
0: Yeah. Was that, um, uh, w- what was the writing of that
1: like? We do that in a day. It was actually a half day. I had one last day in LA and his manager at the time, Brandon Creed was asking me to, t- was saying well, he had asked me before and I couldn't do it. So I was, I was leaving to go back to New York from LA that day. I met at Bruno's studio. He had a studio in, I want to say West Hollywood or Hollywood area. Um, and uh, they had some of the idea, they had the idea already like just k- kind of what they wanted it to be. And uh, we played off all these ideas, all these, extreme situations throw my hand on a blade in front of a train jump off a bridge yada, yada yada and kind of combined it into what would be the most poetic song and I never heard it again I never like we had the session I never heard it uh Brandon I think Brandon called me and said it's going to be on the album I was like cool that's great it's great news and um the album came out and it was almost a kind of a fan pick like the first single was out and then I it was when Twitter first started and it was just like whoosh grenade grenade everyone this song is amazing claude i can tell you work on this i can hear you in this and um it just blew up
0: because that was before i mean that that was his first record right yeah first record so that was before he was a thing so i mean you writing with him at that time wouldn't have been like you dude i'm in the room with i
1: hadn't i had no clue it would get that big and the other thing that was cool about it was that i respected him because he was a dope songwriter and i knew him from the songwriting business yeah because
0: he yeah because he had f you for all intents like but you
1: know. I met him before that. We're, we both wrote on brandy on this brandy album, the Human album, and he had. This oh, I didn't know that. Uh, Long distance, and I wrote a song for her called True and Camouflage. Two songs, Camouflage and True, and that, I remember meeting him on one of my trips to LA. And this guy, this, this guy named Bruno, who was a great writer, who was also getting cuts and records and hits, and you should know each other and all, all that stuff, and that was the angle by which I understood him. So when he got a deal. It wasn't even a thing because, like I said, I wasn't thinking about being an artist and I wasn't. And I had also just written with Jason Derulo, mm. who was a writer, who became an artist. So I was like, I'm more than happy to, to support songwriters who are dope and, and want help with songs. And he, not that he needed me, but it was fun to be a part of a song where a song, singer songwriter was getting some love.
0: Yeah, and boy, is he good at what he does. So mm-hmm. you kind of spoke to a Ray Lewis party in the USA. I'm fascinated by the fact that y'all wrote this for Jesse. It made the rounds and nobody bit.
1: I mean. It made the rounds. It Jordan Sparks at one time was going to cut it. Some, and the label told her no. And it, somehow the, it ended up not getting too Miley. It was, she was signed to Hollywood Records as a Disney star. And she was doing Hannah Montana. And the song was pretty much dead in the water. And they called Luke looking for a song that would go coincide with the specific, I think Miley or Hannah Montana clothing line that was coming around, coming out for back to school. So it was a one-off exclusive deal with Target. Jeez. And so it wasn't even on Apple and there wasn't Spotify. It wasn't on Apple at the time. It was only, you could only get it through target.com or if you went to the store and bought some kind of merch merchandise, you get like a barcode or something like that. So it literally was that Miley Tyrus' fan base and people heard she dropped the song were so rabid that it went to radio and then labels had to backtrack and say, we have to release this song. And I think I had to wait like a week or two because of a couple of days because of the contract with Target to put it out on Apple. So it wasn't like the song that had this huge buzz and it was going to be this takeover record for her. I mean, I think she ended up liking and and, and Hollywood bleeds in it for this specific thing. They had no idea it was going to be that big. Don't, and the reason I was even excited about it was because I had no, I've never watched an episode of Hannah Montana in my life and didn't care to, but I loved the song, The Climb. Oh man. You know, I, 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 that song came out and I was like, now that is a song. that mm-hmm. a timeless song. And that's what made me pay attention to Miley. And I realized back then that she was young, but she had this really, really unique rock and roll voice that would be cool if, if she focused on that as well as obviously acting and being a star. And so when it came around, we flew to Savannah, Georgia to record no. that. Cause she was filming a movie and she was underage. So there's only so many hours that a, a child can work. So she had to film for some days. So we had her for like two hours for two, three. We had like very minimal time. There was no studios in Savannah. So we ended up recording part in the USA, this is real, st- real talk. We recorded her book a part of Pardon the USA in a studio that they, that they had to add Pro Tools to, me and Luke and Miley, but it was Paula Dean's studio. No. In a room that she recorded her, the voiceovers for her cookbooks. You are kidding me there was no big studios there, and we only had her for, so we couldn't get to Atlanta or anything else. We just had to get it done. So it was this tiny, tiny, tiny room, and with like a barely a booth, and they had to literally add computers and and some and plugins because they didn't have what we needed to record real music. It was just to for Paula Dean to say like, "And you add three eggs and some butter." Um, that's all. So we went in there and really recorded her vocals in Paula Dean's voiceover studio.
0: So, to so what did y'all do about the lyrics to change them from Jesse's version?
1: We changed a lot of it. Worked. We changed the Macy's line because obviously Miley would know what Macy's is, and it was a uh, um, it's definitely not a. It was it was It's definitely not a UK party, and we changed it to Nashville. Um, and everything else, for the most part, we kept the same. We kept some Jesse vocals in there. Her backgrounds are in there as well. Um, the influence for that song though, originally. When we did it for Jesse J, my influence for it was Jesse J was this raucous, loud, kind of like in your face, punky pop girl. And it, kept, it just get, it reminded me of Cyndi Lauper. And I love, love, Man. love Cyndi Lauper. Now, she doesn't get enough credit for being a pop icon. To,
0: if she had done nothing other in her career, nothing else, she but time after
1: time. Time like after that song and, and um and True Colors just blow my mind. Two of the greatest pop songs ever written.
0: I time would, after time, to me I would, is I
1: would say that that Cyndi Lauper is to Madonna what Christina is to Britney. Ooh, look at that! I'm down with that. Both of the better the bigger bitter the the better bigger singers mm-hmm. and have taken a more musical creative route are obviously pop stars, but in some ways don't get the same attention as the big, flashy, less singing, but you know,
0: star. Spectacle.
1: Right. Yeah. Spectacle. But I love them all. But Cyndi Lauper was inspiration. And I loved that she was able to be a real singer but be on a, on a on a really poppy song and how could mm-hmm. that work? So the the reason that it goes, yeah, yeah, is, is really from, that's all I really want, some fun. Like, oh, that that a, is fascinating. So I was like, go up there and wail and go, yeah, and see what comes out. Think think like girls just want to have fun. And Jesse being an amazing, unique artist came on, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like our, not imitation, but our Yeah, tribute, kinda. Yeah, to that to that and that's kind of what the song actually ends up feeling like is uh that kind of rebellious the night, in, the morning, night, in the morning that kind of feeling of like rebellious. I don't I don't care, like it's a party.
0: Yeah. That song. So what about My Life with Zuck Without You by Kelly Clarkson?
1: You know, I love anyone with the Kelly in their name. <laughs> Claude Kelly. You <laughs> Tory know. Kelly. Sorry, well, there's, there's one Kelly we can't speak of right now, but mm-hmm. touché. Uh, touché. Touché. but you know, but Kelly Clarkson, uh, this is the power of Max Martin. Max had the idea from My Life Would Suck Suck Without You. It was literally just mumbles. It was like just really mumbles and a guitar line. But Max is so max that they already knew that they had decided it was gonna be the first single with just that. Dang. Cause Max delivered. So uh I got a call from Max and Luke and also Clive saying that there's a song that we have that's going to be the first single for Kelly Clarkson and it needs to be made, needs to be completed. And so they sent it to me and I heard it and I just kept on twisting the lyrics. And again, this is where it comes down to think about the artist and not repeating yourself. And I remember I was obsessed, obsessed with her second album, with Breakaway and Ugh. Behind These Hazel Eyes and Since You've Been Gone and Because of You. and all. That's one of the best pop vocal albums, period. And I was dying to work with her. It had been a dream of mine. So I was like, this is my opportunity. So I knew I didn't want to repeat myself repeat myself, and what she already said. So I, I knew breakup songs worked, but I didn't want it to be just like, get the hell out of here. Like, I, I just didn't feel like she be bashing someone again. I feel like by this time she'd be more mature. So I was like, but not, if she's in a relationship this time, it would be equally dysfunctional. And she took it a step further. She changed some of the lyrics. Uh, there, it was a little bit more like, Hey, I screwed up. Um, my bad. I, I own this part. And she was even more like, no, let's sit. let that's why she was like, um, uh, we, we, I can't, I can't remember the lyrics of my own song right now, but it, she, she wanted to be more reciprocal and say like, no, let's just say we both messed up. We're yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. screwed up in this relationship. And we made those twists and we had her for a day in LA and her and Luke are not the best of friends. Mm. haven't been since the album before. And so in some ways I was the songwriter, but also I vocal produced it and it was also kind of the buffer so that, um, it wasn't World War Three between those two. Jeez. <laughs> wow. And it, it it wasn't. I mean, everyone handled it well. um Kelly was a pro as she always is. Yeah. And it's a really high song to sing, and she wailed. She is one of the baddest, most powerful voices that I've worked with as well. And she came in there in one day and nailed it. And then we went to dinner. I said, we went to dinner. I said, we're going to comp it. And if you c- come back in a couple of hours and if there's anything that we're missing, we'll do it. And she came back. And I think she maybe fixed one or two lines. And that was it.
0: She. So what, I'm curious. Was there a lot of purpose between the my life, my life would suck, would suck without you? What, where did that? Was that just a fun moment? Because the echo to me is so fascinating.
1: The, okay. Well that was that was max's idea because he mumbled kind of like the, we all we all imagine a stadium as a stadium song so if like, ah, my life would suck what's up and the secret which i know you'll appreciate the good pop songs is most good pop songs are just really good gospel or ccm songs with different lyrics <laughs> wow! So if you saw them like, "Cause we belong together now, yeah," that's Hillsong, pretty much. Yeah, dude, so, that's fascinating. You were in a, you were in a in a in a in a, in a, in a huge You're like, "My life, my life was." <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got the hacks here, folks. You came in, dude. That is fascinating. That is so fascinating. And the title too is just a genius title. Then, now,
1: now that sounds innocent, but at the time, yeah, oh yeah, we sucking a lyric was like, oh my god, I can't. You're saying that, so yeah, that made it um, that made it kind of risque and kind of yeah. edgy. Which at the time, Kelly was known for a badass heartbreak breakup song, so it made sense.
0: Uh, okay, and finally, number five, dude, don't you forget? I mean, Louis, I love that freaking song.
1: I love that song. Thank you, man. I love that song too. Don't you forget, the last song we did for our album, American Griots, and it was just—it was. We listened down and we're like, something's missing. And sometimes we call ourselves a two-man Earth, man, earth wind, and Fire, because dude, I can hear it. Because Chuck arranges and plays everything, and arranged the horn arrangements in in Atlanta, and there's just a joyousness and a bigness and a celebrate. It feels like a one big backyard barbecue that song um but it's also a love letter to my my musician friends and also to Mm -hmm. um at the time i i I don't know what was happening but i was emotional about something political it was it was it was a it's a letter to black people and a letter to musicians because really Mm -hmm. what it's about is don't forget to like don't you forget to remember me is don't you forget to remember what it's all about Mm. and don't remember who you are Mm. So if you look at the video, there's, it's almost like a museum, very like, uh, reading rainbow museum where it's like, we're almost like artifacts. And it's like, remember your, to our to your point about knowing a lot of music, know your history. Don't you forget why we're doing this. Mm. Um, your love is what gets me through. Like, um, like tell it, tell me, to me, like we, we we're all valuable. So that like, we need each other to get through this thing. I, I don't know. There's not a song we do for here that doesn't have double or, or triple meanings.
0: Yeah yeah I think that's amazing
1: so talk a- to but dude, talk
0: to me about that breakdown
1: that's that, that yeah, is such a
0: trippy thing,
1: man so Chuck Harmony is a genius, and i I don't I don't take that, I don't say that lightly I, I don't say it often. he is a legit genius like Quincy Jones is a genius um and he's been we've been working together for a long time. he does it a lot, like I'll write a song and then he'll get in the headphones and you'll hear it back, and they'll speak'm like what what So we knew that there was a section that we wanted to do something different. And he kept saying, I'm going to, I'm going to arrange something for it. But he actually, I didn't hear it. He went to Atlanta without me. Uh, I was doing something else. And he went down there and arranged it. And I got a call like, I just want you know that. Don't you forget, just got crazier. <laughs> and I, I, I trust him. I believed. So, um, I don't know. I, I, his brain is insane. Uh, that's literally his, he arranged that by himself and, and taught the horn parts. He 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 started he started with music music being a horn player. Oh wow, that makes sense. He played tuba as a kid and taught himself piano and guitar and everything else. Jeez. So uh, it takes you into this like tribal, celebratory horn driven march for like 32 bars, th- 32, maybe 64 bars. And then it comes back into that. Oh, oh yeah, and that's all. That, that's everything. If you listen to it carefully, it's we stack our influences on each other. So mm-hmm. it's like Earth, Wind & Fire, and Janet Jackson, and Atlantic Star. A little bit yeah. Chicago. Chicago, for sure. Um, Billy Joel, all, all that's in there. Quincy Jones. um. Well, Quincy, you know, Michael Jackson, but not Michael Jackson. That everyone thinks about the Michael Jackson. I we listen to and refer to the most is actually the Bad album. Oh gosh, with those horn stabs on on those songs and the way it just sounds in your face and pop is just it's, it's one. Of the- well,
0: it's just it's just so musical. Like I was listening to it again the other day. I love that song, and I thought, you know, this this sounds like music made by people who love music and making music, well, which to me is the highest
1: compliment. I mean, that's that is the I would say that's the highest compliment because, like I said, more than anything else. Our people, and by our people, I don't mean the music business, but I mean our tribe—the people that heard it and felt it. All I could ever want is for them to understand it and for it to help them get through some kind of time or bring them joy. Mm-hmm. And that be the reason why they come to the show or buy the music. Um, I think we're about to do a, a vinyl of that album, actually. Oh wow! For the fall, so that'll be amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just because I feel like um, I love vinyl, and it sounds so good on vinyl. Yep. Music sounds yep. on vinyl, so we're gonna. Yep. Do- but uh, but that means a lot to me that you, that you chose that song because uh, oh my gosh, my well it
0: was going to be that or Claire Huxtable and I was like man I just I want to like, hear like,
1: oh, you chose Don't You Forget
0: oh I, I, it just it 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 comes on and I'm my eyes are closed I'm just in it I'm swimming in it yeah. and I'm like
1: oh God
0: so good
1: just from, you um know, we have a whole new album done so oh, I didn't know that do y'all well, have a well all we could do during this time of being locked yeah out, yeah, is yeah. Right yeah. record so we have a new album. I, I'm not even sure if I want to call it it's a project I, what is the album anymore who knows yeah, but, right, right, right. Uh, it's called Healing Feeling oh dude would you know when y'all are putting it out not we don't have an exact date yet but um, it's pretty it's almost we're like about two songs away from completing it and it, I think it's better than American Griots in terms Dang. of being more it's introspective it's because mm-hmm. there's like more to think about and it's, it's a more painful world we live in but it's songs about it's definitely songs from my heart while I think about and watch what's happening in the world, mm. dude, I, I, that sounds like the world needs to hear that right now. There's a song there that I, I, that I think I know. It's called Headphones, and mm. it's like, yeah, I'll send it to you. I, actually, I'll send oh, it to yay. you. Oh yeah, because I'm. I have that one, but it, it, I don't it, want to hear that so bad. But it's my favorite song right now.
0: Yeah, dude. Thank you again for doing this. Thank and you so, so so much for, for D Barnes. Come on now, come on now. Days five I take. Yeah!